This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey, this is Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio. Besides Star Wars, if you're itching to dive deep into all things geek, park your speeder right here at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. And may the Force be with you always. Thank you so much for that, Jimmy Mack. You can catch Jimmy on Rebel Force Radio with the rest of the crew. Hit them up. And I think we might be seeing them this summer at ScarifCon 2021 for a fun event over at Alley Cat Comics in Chicago with the Gecko the Bounty Hunter small business tour that our friend Dominic Pace is on all across the country and beyond. Join us July 10th for that wonderful event brought to you live with a huge thanks to our patrons on the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Welcome to a very special episode of the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Don't change that dial. This is Andrew from the Science Fictionary, and we've teamed up with the Scarif Podcast to bring you a super interesting discussion about everyone's favorite archaeologist, Indiana Jones. While many of Indy's adventures are based on real-life facts, some aspects of those adventures are pure Hollywood fiction, and tonight we'll filter out fact from fiction and learn a couple of things along the way. Enjoy the first of a series in our Red 5 Network's Red 5 Missions crossover shows. Grab your fedora and keep that whip handy. It's time for some scuttlebutt. What's up, Scuttle Buddies? Thanks again for joining us on a brand new episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Uh, this is very exciting. Uh, I feel like I'm uh, like coming back home. The, uh, unfortunately, Brad is not with us. Uh, I feel like I was abandoned tonight because Chantel's not with us, too. Uh, but uh, I do have my wonderful friends from uh, Coruscant Radio Underground and ScienceFictionary.com. Uh, Andrew Marisha to help us out tonight on a special Red 5 Missions, a little thing we do between shows on the Red 5 Network. Guys, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. I'm doing glad good. to be here. I was, uh, been, been looking forward to this discussion. Yes, yes, yes. It, uh, you know, I was on recently with the uh, boys over at Certain Point of View, and we were talking about Indiana Jones. Uh, Josh had not seen some of the Indiana Jones movies, and he was getting ready to watch Crystal Skull. And they had me on, uh, grateful that uh, they had me on to talk a little Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, we didn't get as deep as we are going to tonight, but we really... Uh, it really sparked something in me, and I really wanted to, uh, you know, to tackle this topic. Uh, the uh, the only way we know how deep and dive. So again, looking forward to this one too. Uh, we are recording uh, May fourteenth, twenty twenty one, and it just so happens to be George Lucas's birthday. Speaking of uh, the maker, and uh, happy birthday, George! I know you're listening. And uh, <laughs> definitely. What else would he be doing? Exactly. What else would he be doing? Any special message for George Lucas? I know, uh, you know, these franchises are very close uh, to our hearts. Uh, what would you uh, say to him uh, if uh, if we had him on the show tonight? What do you think? Mm-hmm. 
Enjoy your retirement. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's just, you know, as far as people that have created things that have meant a lot to me in my life, it's Star Wars has been one of those big things. And it's, it's something that's shared with, you know, three generations in my family. And, man, it just, just, just to be able to, to tell him thank you would be, be a big deal. Yeah. Absolutely. It's uh, definitely a message that I would uh, love to share with him personally. You know, we everybody talks about how, you know, Star Wars and George Lucas changed their lives. And, you know, it always sounds kind of, I don't know, kind of uh, goofy, uh, premeditated, uh, over the top. But, you know, it really... It really is true. I mean, I, I have no idea what I would be doing if I didn't love Star Wars, if I didn't love, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff, the camera work, the editing. Heavens to Betsy, I, I, I might have uh, fallen into the I love sports uh, trap, which I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to do that. Heaven forbid. It's, Heaven it's, forbid. It's one of those crazy things, though, and it's been this way since it launched in 1977. It's this pop culture phenomenon, and there's never been anything else like it. I mean, it's like the greatest, uh, you know, greatest uh, X, whatever you want to put it there. You know, the the Michael Jordan, the Michael uh, Jackson uh, of movies, uh, you know, Steven Spielberg right up there, Francis Ford Coppola, but just all these great people and these mm-hmm. great uh, creators that have influenced uh, pop culture and, uh, you know, a little more closer to home, our lives. So. Yep. That is awesome that we're doing uh, doing it on George Lucas's birthday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, w- one of the things that people don't uh, remember, George Lucas is also responsible for a lot of Indiana Jones. Obviously, people kind of relate Steven Spielberg uh, to Indiana Jones, but obviously he's, he directs it. But, you know, Indiana Jones is uh, George's baby as well. Uh, right. Other properties uh, that people may or may not, you know, kind of relegate to to the relationship that George had with Francis Ford Coppola. You've got, uh, you know, uh, American Zotrope studios. You have all the stuff that they did with, uh, under that flag. And you also have, uh, the, I guess George had, uh, convinced Francis Ford Coppola to take on the Godfather when, uh, they were kind of broke and, uh, searching for the next project. Um, and, uh, I'm glad that they did, um, I think uh, if I remember correctly, Francis Ford Coppola didn't want to do a mafia movie, but George said, Hey man, we need the money. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the money, right? Absolutely. And, uh, speaking of money, uh, our money shot is going to be, uh, getting, uh, really deep into the fact versus fiction yes, of Indiana indeed. Jones and all the, uh, wonderful, uh, religious artifacts that, uh, that uh, he is searching for. And, uh, you know, the, the, sometimes they use the word MacGuffin in films to uh, describe, uh, you know, that certain motivator, that factor, that thing that uh, the hero uh, or heroine is looking for in the film, the uh, that secret uh, door, the, uh, you know, the lost arc in our case. But uh, before we get into the specifics of uh, our discussion tonight, um, what do you guys remember? What's your best memories of the first film, Raiders of the Lost Ark? Hmm. It really traumatized me as a kid. Melting <laughs> really? faces. Okay. Oh, Disclaimer. Go, yeah. <laughs> I was an easily traumatized child. It should be acknowledged. But um, my dad decided when I was about eight that we should watch 
Indiana Jones and it wasn't a hit. I really didn't appreciate it much till I was an adult. I liked, um, now I liked Last Crusade. Last Crusade didn't bother me. The little shrivelly skeletons where I was okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was really the only Indiana Jones I watched until uh, I was grown because the other two freaked me out as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. those are, th- that first movie is one of those things that, you know, having having grown up as a kid that spent a lot of time out in the woods and, and we had, you know, we had places where we went out in the woods, but we also had this big block of woods. It was all these ravines and vines and all this stuff right behind our house. And I mean, I remember, you know, six, seven, eight year old me back there having adventures in those woods. And they were always, kind of spawned off of things like Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. And uh, your son's you know, also a fan. Yeah. He's a he big is. fan. But it's it's one of those things that just really sparks the imagination. And, and we've, we've just kind of finished doing the pillars of adventure. Uh, that's what we recorded with uh backyard TARDIS last night. Yeah. was our wrap up episode for that. And you kind of talked about, you know, how adventure why adventure films, why it's such a huge genre, why it's such a successful genre. And it's because of really the way that it resonates with us as as humans. Just kind of that adventuring spirit. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's what we all, wish we had the nerve to go do while we sit in the comfort of our living rooms and read a book or watch a movie. <laughs> and of course, you know, Raiders has some of the most classic scenes in, in cinema history. I mean, absolutely. Uh, whether it be, you know, running from the boulder or, mm-hmm. right. Uh, you know, the whole scene when they remove the lid from the ark and mm-hmm. right. Yeah. So a let's lot of, get, lot of good stuff. absolutely. Uh, you know, and it piques our interest, especially as, uh, as young folks, you know, we love that sense of adventure. And I know, you know, Yoda says that Jedi craves not adventure, but, uh, sometimes, you know, little six, seven year olds, uh, do. So, uh, that's one of the things, <laughs> one of the reasons I love Indiana Jones, it uh, really kind of plays with our sense of adventure and discovery. Um, especially with uh, with this character. I, I love Indiana Jones. And who better to play an Indiana Jones than a Han Solo? Let's dive right into our fact versus fiction. Doing a little research on this, I probably, uh, you know... Uh, Learned a hell of a lot more than I wanted to about Nazis, first of all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark has uh, a very, you know, a, a lot of uh, Nazi presence. And, um, you know, it's set in the, uh, what is it, set in the, uh, what year is it set in? I lost that. Uh, in the oh, 1944, right? No, no. It's, the- it's earlier, I think, was it... Uh, it's in the 30s, correct? Yeah, I thought it was like it's, 35, it's before, 1935. Yeah. yeah. So you're somewhere right. in there. You're so, right. You're right. It's, it's before the United States gets in. It's, I guess it's before, oh, it's the, before war. the war. before the war actually started. Yeah. Yeah. So 
What is it with Hitler and his fascination with uh, religious relics? I know I was reading uh, a little bit about it, and obviously we see uh, we see that notion in the film. Um, you know, Indiana Jones and I guess the U.S. government kind of wants to get their hands on on the Ark before Hitler does. Um, do you, did you ever ask yourself why? What is uh, what is the secret of the Ark, and why does Hitler want it? He- thinks it's going to give him power. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's the thing is that's what. Well, it's one of the most, I mean, the Ark itself is one of the most powerful artifacts in the history of the world. It's it's a power play on some level. It's like a look, hey, I have this thing that everybody wants, but it's also, he thinks that it's going to give him some kind of, you know, godlike powers, which isn't how it works, but. You know, he didn't understand things sometimes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we have a comment from uh, Snake Eyes TXR um, talking about the power of the Ark. He says the Ark's destructive power in the Old Testament came from God and his favor, not the Ark itself. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. When the Philistines got a hold of it, they got sick. Uh, not uh, not a good experience for the Tumors. Philistines. Rats. Um, right. Right. Nasty so, stuff. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, there's a there's a little bit of a distinction between the uh, power of the ark um, as it sits as part of the ark, or or I guess the source of the power of the ark. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. But uh, another point of research that I had, there is a book by uh, author Eric Kurlanders called uh, Hitler's Monsters, A Supernatural History of the Third Reich. And um, I was reading some of the uh, basic notes and plot points of this uh, book, and I was very, very surprised to learn that uh, supposedly uh, Hitler's forces believed that the Aryan race descended from aliens who established Atlantis. Naturally. And that uh, Satan was actually a good guy. And here's here's the good one, if you thought those weren't good. Uh, werewolves protected against the sexual ravages of Slavic empires uh, vampires. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like... Um, yeah, I mean, the, the vampire and werewolf thing is pretty... Pretty deeply rooted in in German tribal mythology. Mm. Um, you know the whole thing where you see movies where the the men are are dressed in you know the the pelt of a wolf. You know, and they believe that they were literally imbued with the spirit of that animal with its strength and power in battle. Um, so the Slavic vampire thing. That's well, see the Slavic so vampire thing because in in the old German mythologies, like you know, werewolves were something that the idea of a wolf and Hitler referred to himself as a wolf all the time, and it, it was this idea that you could take on the spirit of that animal, the power mm-hmm. of that animal. Well, in the mythology, the vampires are kind of the the villain mm-hmm. role; they're the the opposite. And they really worked hard to to take on the role to show themselves that say that we're the wolves and these other people that we don't like right. are vampires. Right. They're the, the others, others. They were all about that right. otherness. Yeah, it's uh 
it sounds so strange when you actually read it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were into some really, really weird stuff with, uh, you know, extraterrestrial stuff and, and all the occult stuff. And yeah, it's, it's like Hitler's version of, you know, Christianity such as he, as such as it was, was just so weird. Mm-hmm. Like the kind of the Christianity of the third Reich is very bizarre, very occultic, very, um, it's just, it's, it's, it's such a weird, um, amalgamation of, you know, actual like historical, like people, what people have historically believed in like all this weird crap that we made up yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and who wouldn't want, who wouldn't want to protect themselves against these sexual ravages of slaughtering vampires? <laughs> right. right. I mean, I guess I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to watch out for those the Slavic vampires. Yeah. But um, you know, so in the movie, you've got uh, Hitler's forces going out and searching for the Ark of the Covenant. That's basically kind of the plot point of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, and as far as fact or fiction, you know, we've got a. Uh, a chief of the uh, Nazi army who uh, his name was uh, Heinrich Himmler. He yeah. would uh, actually send out Nazi expeditions to search for artifacts uh, to Tibet and uh, to try to find, you know, relics uh, and early civilizations. Uh, they were hoping to find things like Thor's hammer again, getting back to the mythology of, of, mm-hmm. of man and, and, uh, and some of the occult stuff. So it's uh, the fact versus fiction, I guess, in that realm isn't too far off as far as, you know, what the movie tells us and how Hitler kind of positioned himself to attain uh, these uh, objects from from history. And one of the things that I found interesting is that uh, that the SS had a witch division, which I guess goes back to what you were saying, Andrew, was part of their mythology, part of their lore um, about this, you know, um, strange mystical wolf stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, they really drew deeply from, um, and, and that's one of the things that he used to kind of play on the, the emotions of the German people was, was kind of hearkening back to their mythology mm-hmm. of their ancestors. Especially as presented by Wagner. Hmm. You know, it it wasn't a lot of the stories that he kind of latched on to weren't even necessarily the really old versions of the stories. It was the stories of the the versions of the stories that were, you know, popularized in the 19th century by Wagner and, you know, his giant epic operas. fascinating you know a lot of people don't uh i guess when when the uh, film came out um they were surprised to learn some of this stuff and that's one of the one of the things that i like about uh, george lucas uh, you know his interest in uh, you know the study of history and humanity and uh i love how he kind of interweaves the um the real world stuff into his fiction i think it mm-hmm. helps ground it it helps Absolutely. tell uh, a better story 
And, and obviously doing a lot of research for this episode, it gave uh, me the opportunity to really, you know, sink my teeth into seeing, you know, what, uh, what all the bells and whistles were as far as uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, especially because, you know, obviously the Ark of the Covenant is uh, something, uh, even the image, you know, portrays uh, certain um, ideology, uh, especially to, you know, folks that are religious, spiritual um, students of history. So I, I find that fascinating. And I love, um, that, uh, that we have that in a franchise that is, uh, you know, built on, on, on something real. So that's, that's, uh, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. They did a, a really good job picking that first MacGuffin, especially because it's just so it's one of those things one of those quests that is kind of always at the back of the minds of um, Jewish and Christian culture is, well, is the, always the, the question s- of where is where what where is the Ark of the Covenant? Well, it's the single most sought relic in in world history. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's one that. You know, like there's always a quest for the one true cross or the quest for even the the Holy Grail, you know, things that probably don't exist anymore or maybe, you know, didn't ever weren't ever preserved. But like the Ark of the Covenant, we is widely believed to have actually existed at some point sure. and to have actually been in Jerusalem. And so there then, of course, there's just the great question of then what happened to it? Right. Um, and so I think some of the best stories set out to answer really timeless questions. And they did, so they just hit such a home run with this one in just exploring that, that timeless question, you know, looking for, for the answer. Absolutely. And we'll, uh, touch a little bit on, uh, what people, uh, think or where people think the Ark of the Covenant is. I know we were doing a little bit of research, but, uh, we had a, a quick question that I'll pose to you guys. And this is regarding, I know, you know, we're talking about George Lucas, his birthday, uh, is today. Uh, and, um, we're getting ready to welcome another, you know, a fifth installment, uh, of the Indiana Jones, uh, films. Our friend Ali Kay wanted to ask us, uh, what we think or what we think should have been, or should be the MacGuffin for this new movie. And I know, you know, we just got a couple of announcements regarding, uh, the fifth, uh, incarnation of, uh, Indiana Jones. We've got Phoebe Waller-Bridger. Mads, uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Michelson? 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 Yeah. Mads? Mads And uh, two other actors, uh, Boyd Holbrook and Shemetta Renee Wilson, uh, are part of the uh, cast. And I posted a while ago, if if I don't see Karen Allen in uh, this new movie, then I'm rioting. (laughs) I think that's fair, for sure. She was definitely uh, one of uh, one of the best things that uh, came out of uh, Crystal Skull. I just love seeing them mm-hmm. together. Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if not only for nostalgia, but I think she was having fun and you could really tell that she was having fun. And I agree. Like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I don't have like super strong feelings about one way or the other. I enjoyed it. Um, but it, I don't think it, you know, quite captures all the magic maybe of the original trilogy but she was definitely one of the best things about that you know just finally see after all these years finally seeing them 
find their way back to each other was just perfect. Absolutely. And I think it's almost, uh, they, they kind of should have stopped there because, uh, you know, they, they met in Raiders, they lost track of each other. And I feel like it was, uh, it's almost like they, like you said, they found each other again. Like she was the MacGuffin, uh, ultimately in the entire, you know, thread of, of films. Um, but, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So what do you guys think of Ollie's question? What do you guys think, uh, they should search for in this new Indiana Jones you know, I've got several thoughts on that, and um, I've got a I've got a couple that I would really like to see them do. But one that kind of comes back around, and I think the biggest problem with the Crystal Skull was kind of the departure from the type of object was what threw a lot of people off with that one. I, I didn't bother. It didn't bother me. I mean, the the whole mystery surrounding the Crystal Skulls has been around for a long time, right? But. Um, you know, with the the run-ins with the the Nazis and and no and kind of following on the theme of the Nazis stealing all these things, we know that the Nazis managed to take a lot of things. That they had a massive hoard that was lost after the war, whether it was on the 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 gold train that was buried and hidden, or whether it's buried somewhere else. And so, kind of for me, I think the the one that I think kind of ties everything back around is because it was always the fight against the Nazis and to come back around and find those stolen treasures that the Nazis hid after the war. That's cool. Yeah. What about you, Marisha? Um, I mean, I feel like it, it would be a little bit of a departure again from the the type of MacGuffin they've typically gone in for, but I think it might be really interesting to see him go um, either search for Atlantis or maybe go after Noah's Ark. You know, oh, that's yeah. always kind of a, an interesting one. You know, there's always a lot of, you know, debate and round and round and round about Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that might be, I think that might be an interesting one to go after. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to stay on the theme of Christian relics, there are still a few, you know, you've got the spear of destiny, the, uh, the crown of thorns, a couple other things that you could do. Um, I still also really like the idea of Excalibur or the round table. Uh, you can get into the Arthurian Something stuff. Arthurian. Yeah. That'd be especially, cool. Especially since we, we did, um, kind of get into that. I mean, we've seen the temple night that was guarding the, the grail and all that. And it would be fun to kind of go back to some of that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones and the Sith dagger. <laughs> Definitely uh, wrong, wrong trilogy. Sorry. George always had the idea of doing the monkey King mm. hmm. yeah. was what he actually wanted to do for the second film. One of the things that intrigues me about these films is, and I can, I can see your point about uh, straying away from the religious artifacts per se, but I love the fact that, you know, the Ark of the Covenant uh, later on, you've got uh, the, uh, the Holy Grail. I think these are relics uh, in, in world uh, religion that are, are so important and uh, have such an impact on not only the people that follow that religion, but on, on the world as a whole uh, in some way. 
And uh, I, I think uh, because of George's, uh, you know, kind of expertise or at least study in, in world, you know, theology and, and, and history and things like that, I think that's what makes it interesting for me. And I didn't have a problem with Crystal Skulls e- either. I think they were pretty cool. Um, and again, I think I, I told, uh, you know, the boys at a uh, certain point of view this as well. I think Crystal Skull gets a little bit of... Um, of hate because it's, it's misconstrued and, you know, George always kind of tended to keep the genre within the year that it was set in. So, you know, we've got things like project blue book in the fifties and you've got, uh, you know, uh, Betty and Barney who were abducted by aliens and this and that. So you've got all the UFO situation going. So he decided to Mm -hmm. bring in some, some good old uh, crystal aliens in the, uh, at the tail end of that. But um, I, I get it. Um, so let's get back to Raiders. I wanted to ask, uh, Marisha, because we, uh, definitely, that is our big, uh, MacGuffin. What is the Ark of the Covenant? What is the Ark of the Covenant? Well, that's a loaded a- question, huh? According to the Old <laughs> Testament, it is the physical location where the presence of God dwelt. Now, there you can, it, it actually, the presence of God does not continually dwell in the ark, if uh, according to the biblical record. Actually, the presence of God leaves the ark at some point um, before the Babylonian captivity. Um, it, when, which is the point where it disappears. But it's a, it's a box, what? Two cubits by three cubits by two and a half cubits, which is like what a cubit's eighteen inches. So, you know, two feet by three, whatever. When I was in when I was when I was in Sunday school, I always loved that word for some reason. It was just really cool. And obviously, the uh, oh, because you know why? Because this is so nerdy. It reminded me of Battlestar Galactica. (laughs) I'm like, oh, Noah is going to use you know cubits to build the the ark. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's great. Um, but it's made of acacia wood and it is covered in gold inside and outside. Got golden cherubim. Now, there are actually, I was doing a little bit of reading because there are a lot of stories um, that are extra biblical uh, in a, a Jewish writing called the Mishnah that talk about the, the cherubim supposedly will, if, if God is pleased with Israel, they will face one another, but as, as the Israelites fall into sin or whatever is going on, they will actually like, like fold in on themselves or look away from each other. Oh, wow. Um, which is not something I'd ever seen before, but there was actually, I was reading some, some writings about that. I should Um, check that out. Interesting. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Um, but definitely so, the the uh, the Old the Testament has some pretty yeah the the Old Testament definitely has some really uh, detailed um, description of of the Ark of the Covenant mm-hmm. um, as far as building it uh, Moses uh, you know being instructed by God to to, to build it um, what about the uh, tablets of the uh, Ten Commandments as we see in the film uh, fact yes. or fiction 
Well, I mean, it, it depends on if you believe that the Bible is historical or not. If you do, then you're going to say fact, right? This, the, <laughs> the, the record says that Moses comes down the mountain. He's up on the mountain. He's talking to God. He gets the two tablets. He comes down, and the Israelites are worshiping the golden calf. And Moses is pissed and smashes the tablets, which doesn't seem like the thing to do. <laughs> but, right. you know... But that's what, like I said, that's what the story says he does. And so eventually he gets another copy of the tablets um, and the broken tablets go into the Ark of the Covenant. Also, Aaron's staff that uh, butted out with almond flowers. I don't remember why it butted. Do you remember why Aaron's staff butted? I don't remember. It was a sign of but some yeah, kind of I mean, sign. It's supposedly the, of course, the, the tablets, the, the staff of Aaron and a jar of manna. Right. Right. Yes. Which was it, supposed to not spoil. Well, right. It represents the the law, the priesthood, and God's providence. So one of the things that uh, that is represented in the ark is uh, something of great power, and obviously, like we mentioned earlier, it is something that the Nazis wanted really to get their hands on. And the stories, I guess, that the Nazis heard are definitely coming from the scriptures, coming from the Old Testament. You have uh, armies that are uh, possessing the Ark of the Covenant uh, at Jericho. You have the Philistines uh, going into battle with, uh, with the Israelites. And um, because whoever uh, is uh, carrying this, uh, this Ark is having pretty damn good luck uh, on the battlefield, um, and that's uh, one of the things that the Nazis uh, really are kind of keen to kind of obtain. Um, what else can we say about uh, that aspect of the arc? Is uh, it sounds obviously very you know supernatural. It sounds sounds pretty out there. But uh, as uh, one of our followers had mentioned, uh, it seems like, you know, the power doesn't come from the actual device or object, but it comes from, uh, I guess, the divinity of, of, of God, um, according to the uh, Old Testament. But uh, it is kind of a really great story if you're, you know, recounting the tales of, of wars and the power of God and walls coming down, mm-hmm. uh, you know, standing in the Jordan river, the Jordan river stops on either side of the, the priests holding the ark. I mean, it's pretty impressive sounding, sounding stuff. Um, I think the Nazis would have been disappointed because the, the deal with the Ark is it's a symbol of God's favor. Theologically, that's what it is. It's a symbol of God's favor, which is why when they go into captivity, the Ark disappears. And um, I think that the people who were exterminating the the chosen people by the millions would have been very, very disappointed <laughs> by the um, – if they had ever actually gotten a hold of it and tried to carry it into battle, I think they would have been very disappointed by the way it would not win their war for them. I would have to agree with you on that one. I think the melty face, like, I don't know if I necessarily believe that the melty face thing would actually likely happen, 
but I wouldn't have been wanted to be a Nazi and mess with the most important Jewish artifact in the history of the world while I was well, doing that to the Jews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about that melty face. You know, we, uh, again, doing a little bit of our research for, for this show, we uh, read that, um, you know, there was definitely some power that was behind the Ark. Um, we have instances where it was captured by the Philistines, um, you know, the uh, Israelites were defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened to the Philistines? I mean, they, they took the Ark and they're like, yay, we got the Ark. But, Let's uh, put it in the temple of our God. Can you extrapolate what happened? What happened Bad to thing. them? Well, the, the, <laughs> well the, the, the figure, the God, Dagon, falls down. And then they come in, they're like, oh, poor Dagon. Pick it back up, and he they come in the next day. And he's fallen down again, and his head and his hands are broken off. And they're like, "Oh dear, maybe we don't want this thing after all." So they shuffle it off somewhere else. All those people get tumors and rats. I don't. I never could quite figure out what the connection was between the tumors and the rats. But there's some kind of like rat. They, don't they actually put figures of golden tumors and rats in the ark before they send it back? Isn't that I don't the remember deal? That I don't remember that part. It's very weird. It's all very weird. <laughs> Yeah, but, but they don't uh, want af- it. Right, they, <laughs> they don't want it. And not- <laughs> after seven days, uh, all the citizens were getting boils and tumors and uh, infestations. And uh, I guess they realized, uh, yeah, you you guys can have it back. Once it's built, God gives very specific instructions on how it's to be carried and, and handled. Yeah. And who's to and- see it? It's supposed to stay in the basic the inner sanctum, the Holy of Holies inside the tabernacle or the temple. And nobody is supposed to see it except for the high priest one day a year when he is ceremonially clean. Yeah. It's very specific, you know, talking about the power of of, of the ark. So uh, in the movie, that last scene where the melty face thing happens. So you had uh, in history, you had uh, the men, I'm reading my notes here, the men of Beth Shemesh, looked at it and uh, as punishment, I guess he wasn't supposed to look at it and uh, he died. We don't know if he, his face melted off, but uh, <laughs> the stories do say that he died. And obviously, you know, Lucas and Spielberg are taking uh, some creative license, but right. uh, there's another instance of uh, the Ark being co- uh, carried away and uh, somebody uh, jostled it because they tripped on a rock or something. And then, they, uh, you know, instinctively held their hand up to uh, mm-hmm. prevent it from falling. And what what happened to that guy? Well, that was that would That's be Uzzah, Uzzah. <laughs> who died where he stood. No, he yeah. wasn't. He was in that was the ox cart. They had it in the back yeah. of an ox cart. Right. Well, they mm-hmm. were carrying it the way they weren't supposed to carry it. Mm-hmm. The oxen stumbled. Yep. And he just put his hand on it to steady it. Dead Uzzah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and the the point is though that it's it's not a lucky charm it's holy right and i think you know that's to interpret the nazis that's kind of the irony of it is that they're just committing so much sacrilege you know of of every kind and and they think that they want to track down right because they sort of seem to have this belief both in real life and in the movie that they can control it like that god is something for them to control and to wield as a weapon. Right. And I, I would venture to say that they, they don't even understand uh, the relationship between the Ark and a God or the divine power because right. it's, and no, it's, it's a lucky it's charm. Right. I think, I think you're right. I think they see it as 
a lucky like if we can possess this we can use it we can use it um, and it's possible i mean as far as what the nazis the like himmler and and hitler actually thought it was you know things like thor's hammer that they searched real hard for they thought it was they didn't necessarily think that it had anything to do with a a god or or whatever they they believed that it was an ancient weapon mm-hmm. so maybe that's what they believed the ark was some sort of ancient weapon that like they the tesseract <laughs> the tesseract yes, yeah. yeah right at risk of of um kind of melding our genres here but <laughs> that's that's okay it's okay with yeah. me one of the things that makes indiana jones uh attractive is his uh uh lack of uh, respect for authority always makes a good movie hero um he's a bit of a of a uh, scoundrel from time to time deep at his heart he's a he's a good guy does good things for people You know, this uh, religious artifact uh, went all over uh, the Babylonian conquest, destruction of Jerusalem, Solomon's temple, and uh, it just uh, kept on surviving. It uh, Where did the Ark uh, end up? And I know there's a lot of stories there, but before Lots we get to that, yeah, before we get to that, we have a question from one of our followers. He wanted to know, uh, this is Sean Crummel. He wanted to know which college does Indiana Jones teach at? He was a little confused mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think he ever um, he ever knew. But um, did you guys know, I know I put it in the notes, but did you guys know the background of the college that uh, Indiana Jones taught at? Not until I saw it in the notes. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So uh, it's uh, called Marshall College. It was named for the producer, Frank Marshall, who is the husband of Kathleen Kennedy. So he studied under the Egyptologist and archaeologist Abner Ravenwood and happens to be uh, Marion Ravenwood's uh, father. That's uh, that's how, how they met. How handy. Yeah. At uh, They studied uh, under Ravenwood at the Oriental Institute at the University of Chicago. Fact or fiction? What do you guys think? Does the Oriental Institute at the University of Chicago exist, or is it a fable made up by filmmakers? I bet it doesn't now, even if it did in the 30s. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. What do you think, love? Uh, It sounds plausible enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so obviously the University of Chicago does exist. uh, And I did a a quick look on Google. The Oriental Institute at the University of Chicago is a real place. Uh, It's on the south side of Chicago in in the Hyde Park neighborhood. So uh, they definitely did their homework. And obviously, you know, Harrison Ford has Chicago roots. He was uh, born, uh, born in our town here. So uh, absolutely. And um, what's really cool is the name of uh, Abner, his last name, Ravenwood. Um, Ravenswood is a very prominent street here in Chicago. So when okay. like the very first time I heard, you know, uh, Ravenwood mentioned, I'm like, oh, wow. Well, I I have my office on that street. That's great. So there's your answer, Sean. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much for submitting that. What college does Indiana Jones teach at? Absolutely. So 
Before we get to that final uh, discussion point, um, any wrap up, anything that I forgot to mention regarding uh, our fact versus fiction discussion here on uh, tonight's show? Anything we forgot? I don't know. So where is it? Where does it wind up? Area 51? Is that is that the consensus? Yeah, well, that? that's the consensus. That's the consensus uh, based on the movie. You've got that right, wonderful right. shot, that uh, beautiful matte painting um, at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where that uh, mm-hmm. man kind of wheels it down the hall and turns around the corner and he disappears and uh, we don't see it. Uh, we mm-hmm. assume that it gets lost. Um, as a young kid, I didn't know about area 51. So I didn't know that area 51 existed. I just thought, I don't know what I thought of that last shot. Um, yeah. Or is it in the Pentagon? I don't know, but well, you know, later on, if we discuss, uh, you know, kingdom of the crystal skull, they go back there. Uh, And it it, it is area 51. You know, we, we get that reveal. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Right. And that was really cool. I mean, this whole idea, what I love about that last scene and what it, it didn't register as a kid, but watching it as an adult and they're wheeling it in to this massive warehouse or hangar probably and storing it among all these other boxes, presumably full of America's uh, relic hoard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, Indy would I'm, not have approved. It belongs in a museum. Absolutely, yeah. America's secrets. Hmm. It'd be interesting. It would be uh, to be a fly on the wall to know some of those, huh? But you know, the other thing too, we we're talking about MacGuffins, and each one of those boxes in that warehouse could be. It could definitely be a MacGuffin that uh, Indiana Jones helps find. So, yeah, it's yeah, such a great like such a ripped off con you know like the number of movies that you see that they've got i mean i feel like the entire premise for um area 51 no warehouse 13 13 is pretty much just like yeah it's like if we had all these uh relics of that had it had power they call them artifacts don't they yeah yeah all these artifacts yep from indiana jones then what would (laughs) you know who collects them Um, Yeah. Where does the Ark of the Covenant uh, end up being? What what does your research tell you? You know, I think the the most widely believed places are that it's either still under the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, or that it's in um, Ethiopia. In Ethiopia. And of course, there's a large belief that it's somewhere buried in England as well. That the Templar Knights did actually find it and took it back to England eventually. But I do, uh, I do remember reading about Ethiopia mm-hmm. and uh, St. Mary of Zion cathedral. Right. Um, but it's funny though. So it's like, what's that? Like in the, in our modern world, what's, if it is there, what's stopping us from like going over there and saying, hello, can we see it? <laughs> yeah, they do pretty regularly. And they're, um, they're not, they're not, letting people in and i mean yeah. that one that one is interesting because there was a relationship with the, the the people that lived there and the jewish people at the time that it vanished right mm-hmm. so and, and and i we were we recently watched uh josh gates does a lot of episodes hunting you know hunting for different relics and you know he he had one where he looked for the ark and they went to ethiopia and 
this archaeologist that had been working there for years trying to prove that that it's actually there. Actually, he initially went to disprove it and wound up becoming a believer that it's there. And, you know, he said, if it's not the ark, there's something, they have something that Mm -hmm. they're willing to, that the whole country widely believes is there and that people are willing to give up their life to spend there as basically the priest caring for the whatever item is there. So it's like, if it's not the ark, they've got some sort of artifact that must be very important. Yeah, especially with the the history of Ethiopia, it's very, a lot of turmoil, a lot of poverty and famine, and even through all of that, they've protected that that church and whatever is in it. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. That's pretty crazy. I guess I'm always going to be the cynic. I think the Babylonians probably destroyed it. If we're being honest, <laughs> I think I think it's probably actually been gone a very long time. But you know, it's still. It's still an interesting hunt because it could be there. I mean, there's like the t- there's no getting in the Temple Mound, you know, under under the Temple Mount. It's right. just yeah. like yeah. I mean, there are what nobody's been in there in hundreds well over of years, a thousand years. You know, yeah. and there's caves and tunnels and all kinds of stuff, but there's there's no getting to it, especially not with the political situation uh, in Jerusalem. Right. So, and that's what's fascinating uh, to me about this series, about this franchise. Uh, it just takes a little bit of uh, real world history and kind mm-hmm. of uh, you know puts it in this uh, wonderful fictional world of Indiana Jones and Holy Grails and Crystal Skulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I, you know, it's my second favorite franchise. And um, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. It's good stuff for sure. But it's, and I think that, that using that real world item is what lends is, is what makes us embrace it. Is that mm-hmm. this idea that, yeah, this item's out there somewhere. And uh, you know, there's really people that have spent their lives looking for right. it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that kind of adds, you know, some some realness to it's almost to like when film. they post you know paste based on a true story at the bottom you know at the beginning of a movie you're like all of a sudden like oh then you have to start like sifting well what is this what is real right. and you know they do a really uh, we were actually talking with nick last night they do a pretty good job in presenting you know the if it this is very much like the actual description that we get of what the Ark of the Covenant probably looked like, you know, things like that. Like they did a good job pulling a lot of real, real world facts, like, and not just like a couple of little details that they kind of spun, but lots of real things, lots of real things that the Nazis were into, lots of things that people believe over the world about the Ark of the Covenant. And um, it's, it just makes for such a compelling story. Yeah. And one that you can you can sort of believe. It, it seems yeah. plausible. Yeah. You can believe that it could really happen. Yeah. Which wow. I think is where Crystal Skull lost people. Just seems I, a little I less guess. plausible. Yeah. Maybe. I, kinda... I think I think people I think generally you have skeptics when it comes to religion. You have skeptics when it comes to things like aliens or Bigfoot or That's whatever. True. I think you probably Ooh, have maybe he goes looking for Bigfoot. <laughs> I think you probably have more skeptics when it comes to aliens than with religious artifacts. That's probably true. That could be true, yeah. 
So one final thought, I will leave you with uh, this is, uh, I think, uh, I think the Nazis found the Ark and put it in the Nazi bell and uh, flipped a switch and uh, beamed that sucker to the past somewhere hidden. Because, you know, the Nazi bell is a time traveling, space faring. Right. Artifact. Obviously. Unquestionably. (laughs) They sent them back in time to the Slavic vampires. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Not on purpose. (laughs) Not at all. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much for uh, joining me on this wonderful fact or fiction discussion of Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones. I had a lot of fun and, uh, you know, talking with you guys is always uh, a massive, massive hit for me. Um, we got to do it more often, but I think yeah. we will because I, I, I think uh, I really like the, the fact versus fiction on this um, on this series. I think we're mm-hmm. going to take another deep dive and uh, I love doing the research. You can really lose yourself with uh, everything that is jam packed in these films, because like you said, you know, there's a little bit of truth to, uh, to everything in here. And and that's one of the reasons I, I really love it. Hey, what's up, podcast family? Ro here. Just wanted to give our patrons a heartfelt thank you. Wonderful folks who have found it in their hearts to support the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. We're super lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, the Salty Crew, Alex and Matt, super fan of many of the pods on the Red 5 Network, Backyard Tardis, Nicholas Schaefer, what's up Nick, Chad at Hyperspace and Holocrons, Jay from Florida, and our newest patron, Frank V. Big thanks and a returning patron in the Executor tier, 97 Bravo. Huge respect, my friend. We thank you all for your support. And if you want to become more involved in the Scare of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, head over to patreon.com slash scare of scuttlebutt. Remember, we can't have the scuttle without the butt. And don't forget, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. So what do you guys have uh, planned for the future? Let everybody know where to find you guys and what you are up to. Uh, we're kind of still kind of waffling on some things, kind of trying to figure out what we want our what we want Coruscant Radio Underground to look like going forward, and and hopefully as we kind of get, I'm I'm just anxious for them to kind of get that machine cranked up and actually start, you know, putting some stuff out, give us right. something to talk about. Um, you can only talk about old things so much. Just like give us the new things to speculate. Um, By golly, speculation is a podcaster's bread and butter. And, and on the science fiction area, we're we're kind of going to take a little time and, and do some things that we were doing. Some of our Mount Rushmore series, and yeah, uh, we finally have some movies starting to come out that we're excited to talk about. And mm-hmm. um, in fact. I believe that next week, we were going to do it this week and David wasn't available, but I think next week we're actually doing the Mount Rushmore of MacGuffins. Oh, nice. And I'm relatively certain that the Ark is probably number one on everybody's list. It's got to be. I think we might have to make a rule, only one Indiana Jones (laughs) (laughs) MacGuffin on, on the mountain. But other than that, you can find our podcast, the Science Fictionary Podcast, or Coruscant Radio Underground, anywhere you listen to podcasts, or on our website at thesciencefictionary.com. 
Awesome. How about you, Marisha? Uh, well, you can find me. Okay, so I'm not going to lie. I don't social media much these days because it's not good for my mental health to scream at people online as much as I tend to do. So occasionally you can find me on Instagram at princesses underscore and underscore Padawans and IMP Padawans on Twitter. Excellent. Fantastic, guys. Again, thank you very much for joining us. And if you are new to the podcast, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this uh, little crossover episode we had with our friends. Uh, We are all part of the Red 5 Network. Check us out there and on our respective uh, websites. I keep forgetting that we did a website for scarescuttlebutt.com. Check us out over there. But uh, we'd like to hear your thoughts on our discussion tonight. If you guys want to leave us a voicemail, hit us up on the Scare of Scuttlebutt hotline. It is 773-234-8659. Drop us a message. Let us know what you thought of tonight's episode. And let us know uh, where you think the Ark of the Covenant is. Maybe it's in your backyard. You never can tell. You never can tell. I bet the Mormons have some interesting theories about that. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys. Thank you very much. This is Ro signing off on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. That's the Scuttlebutt. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Network.